I think we can all agree that um, life is full of troubles of various kinds. Some of you live with poor health and aches and pains that I just can't imagine as a young guy. Some of you have experienced terrible loss. Some of you are lonely. Some of you have endured the pain of being hurt by others, whether in word or deed. Um, None of these things are easy or pleasant. Today we're going to consider a perspective on trials and tribulations that goes against the way that we tend to think. We're going to look at the Bible's perspective as we continue uh, our study of the book of Philippians. The Bible's perspective on trouble and tribulation is not a perspective that minimizes suffering or makes little of it, but it is a perspective that makes much of the Lord. Biblical perspective sees God as present, working, and doing something good in the lives of those who love Him. The Word of God teaches us that God is in our troubles and He is doing something good. So if you turn with me to our scripture for this morning, we'll be looking at the book of Philippians in chapter 1 and verses 12 through 18. This is just the second message in our series through someone's joining on. Zoom there, Trav. Thank you. Okay. So this is the second message in our series. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. I'll read that now. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some, to be sure, preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed And in that I rejoice. Amen. This is the word of God for this morning. Now, in verse 12, Paul begins by drawing the reader's attention to what he is about to say. He uses a common expression. He says, I want you to know, brothers. I want you to know this. This is important for you to hear. And then he says something that would no doubt be a little bit surprising. I'm sure they wanted to know how he was doing. You know, are you doing okay? Is your health okay, Paul? Um, Are they treating you all right? 
Paul says this. He says, what has happened to me has really turned out to advance the gospel. I want to stop here for just a moment. Paul's greatest joy, as we read in in verse 18, is that Christ is proclaimed. He's able to say that even through suffering. But Paul never minimizes his struggles. There's a place for for lament and grief and sorrow and and all the, the fullness of our our emotions. Elsewhere, Paul writes about despairing of life itself. He doesn't shy away from that. He writes about praying many times. And this is in the book of 2 Corinthians. And he writes in chapter 12 about praying that the Lord would relieve him of this affliction. That And the Lord said, my grace is enough. Now here in our text, he's speaks of being in chains, verse 13. And, and even in verse 17 of how some people, some were uh, preaching Christ and, and they thought somehow to afflict Him, to take advantage of His imprisonment for their own selfish ambitions. This is real life here. A real struggle. And Paul doesn't minimize that. But no doubt you notice that right from the get-go, that isn't the thing that he wants them to hear. He doesn't dwell on his troubles here. Instead, his focus is on something else. He sees that God is working. Verse 12, he says this really turned out to advance the gospel. And then in verse 18, Paul's thoughts are summed up for us, and he says, what then? Only that in every way Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. And you go, whoa, Paul, I mean, hold up here. You're rejoicing in prison where you sit chained to a wall, and you're saying, I am happy that Christ is proclaimed even by these uh, selfish, envious preachers of the gospel. Well, yeah, that's what Paul is saying. He's respond, he responds with joy, and, and we wonder, like, how can that be, Paul? How is that so? It is because his goal, his greatest desire, was to lift up Christ above everything else. To lift Him up even in His trouble. It's a key point that I want you to notice here. Only those who trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, only those who can say that He is their greatest joy and hope in this life can say something like that. Paul could not say that if he did not know Christ and His love. He could not say that if he did not worship Him above all else. And so it is important when we think about trials and tribulations that we consider where is our hope and whom do we put our trust? Even in the Psalms of Lament, whom did they put their trust in? They said, I will hope in the Lord. Yeah. 
Do you know that you have sinned against a holy God, rebelled against His ways? As James said, that having broken one law, you are guilty of the whole of it. And a holy, just God cannot dwell with sin. There is a punishment. There is also forgiveness. To trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is to accept that He is the only means of forgiveness. The only means of help. In our troubles, whether it be the troubles of life or ultimately the greatest of all, the, that of death itself. If you've called on God and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again, defeating death itself for those who love the Lord and trust Him, the Scripture promises salvation. And also, the presence of God with us. Jesus said that He would send His Spirit to live in us. A comforter, a helper. But if you haven't repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, then you don't have the assurance that God is in your trouble. In fact, it's just the opposite. We stand condemned in need of a Savior. In need of His salvation. The salvation offered through Jesus Christ. So if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please consider where you put your hope. Because when trouble comes, and it, and it will come in this life, the only hope that stands firm is hope in Jesus Christ. Paul rejoiced because he knew the Lord and he had eyes to see that through his suffering, through his trouble, God was doing something good. I'm going to spend some time unpacking this a little bit more. How can Paul say that? How could Paul see that God is doing something good? What does he see in his trouble? Verse 12 says, uh, Paul says that the gospel has progressed or advanced. The gospel is moving ahead even through obstacles. The word progressed in the Greek comes from the idea of cutting away before you. you know, picture clearing a path in the jungle. It's, it's not saying it's not a hard work. It's not saying that it's not work. But that it's being cleared. That the way is being made clear. And so Paul says that a path was being cleared for the gospel to advance in his trouble. 
How can that be when Paul is in prison? How, you may wonder, how can the gospel advance in my troubles? I can see that in a great guy like Paul. What about my life? Well, Paul shares with us some details. He shares some encouragements that help us to see the advancement of the gospel in his own circumstances. And underneath the details of the things that Paul shares, we see God in Paul's trouble doing something good. Now, the first detail Paul shares in verse 13, uh, where we read uh, that the imperial guard and everybody else in that uh, situation doesn't specify who everybody else is, but the imperial guard and everyone else had heard that Paul was in prison because of his faith in Christ. He writes, my chains in Christ were made known. Most English Bibles say that Paul was chained for Christ or because of the cause of Christ. And this is indeed true. But the word in especially emphasizes not only the reason, but also for his imprisonment, but also that God was involved in his imprisonment. Paul was in prison because of his association with Jesus, but this was no accident. God was in his troubles, and as a result, many people heard the good news. Now we don't know how everybody heard. Some people speculate um, that the guards learned about the gospel as they spent hours chained next to Paul in prison. That's possible. Others believe that Paul was under house arrest. In, in Acts 28, we're told about how Paul was in chains in Rome and he was under house arrest there. And so he had the flexibility, at least at that time, to share the gospel with more people. We don't really know the circumstances from what Paul says here. But one thing is clear. People came to know that he wasn't an ordinary prisoner. He was in jail for the cause of Christ. God was in his trouble. The second way that we see the gospel advancing is in verse 14. And not only were, were unbelievers, not only was the world hearing about the gospel, but Paul says that most of the brothers are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Isn't that wonderful? A majority of the brothers of the people of Christ, the believers, had become bold to share their faith. They were not afraid. As, as they once had been. Where did they get their confidence from? Paul says, by my imprisonment, or through my imprisonment. The believers became confident as a direct result of Paul being in prison and being faithful to preach the gospel in that situation. 
But don't miss this. They became confident as a result of Paul's imprisonment. That was a situation or a circumstance that the Lord used. But it does not say that they were confident in Paul or in themselves. The text tells us they were confident in the Lord. They too were bold because they believed that God was with them. Through Paul's trouble, the believers began to see that God is present in times of trouble and that he is doing something good. They saw God's work in the imperial guard. And among, as as Philippians 4, Paul sends greetings from the household, people of the household of Caesar, the emperor. That is another hint of how far the gospel had gone. Now, they saw that work of the Lord and the faithfulness of Paul to the Lord's work, and so they too became confident that God was with them. You know, if if we're confident in ourselves or only in certain situations where we are comfortable, then trouble of some kind comes along and it will almost inevitably lead to fear, to worry. Why? Because we are unable to bear the weight of, of troubles on our own and we may last for maybe all our lives and and come before God with our own confidence look at me I've endured all these things but ultimately we need the Lord whether we realize it now or not whether we become fearful or whether we become proud in our ability to handle troubles and push through things. The believers were confident in the Lord, and this Paul saw as evidence of God's work. Now there is a third detail that Paul highlights about the advance of the gospel, and I will read verses 13 or 15, sorry, 15 through 17. Some, to be sure, preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So here we get a little bit more of a nuanced picture of what was going on. In verse 14, Paul says, most of the brothers are much more bold and he's highlighting their confidence in God, which is a good thing. He's he's giving thanks for this. And now we see that there are some who were doing it from the wrong motives. Some out of goodwill, some in love, but others out of envy and rivalry from selfishness, not sincere, 
They had their own purposes in preaching Christ. The motivation of these preachers we see is totally wrong. It's envy, selfish ambition. They had an evil intent to afflict Paul in some way. And the the Lord God would judge them for that. Yet there's a distinction here in their preaching. This was not like the false teachers that Paul spoke against in so many other places. Paul spoke severely against those who proclaimed another gospel. These people were still proclaiming Christ crucified. They were still proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not told who these envious preachers were or why they sought to advance themselves. That's not the takeaway. The surprising takeaway is that while Paul did not approve of their motives, he rejoiced, and I'm sure he was hurt, probably, possibly some of these people were people he knew. Most likely. But he rejoices that Christ was being proclaimed. Isn't that amazing? Even when your his person, his reputation was being attacked, he was free to rejoice that God's agenda was being, taking place. He desired the gospel's advancement and not his own. And so he concludes in verse 18, he says, what then? What should what does he conclude? What then from this? He concludes only that in every way, whether in pretense, which was what some were preaching in pretense, they didn't really mean it or care about the gospel. They were preaching in pretense, whether in pretense or in truth. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Isn't that amazing? Paul's joy and delight was to see Christ honored and glorified. Through his time in prison or out of prison, next week we're going to consider Paul's goal and his desire to please the Lord even in life or death. For he faced the possibility of death, though he was confident, in this case, he was confident that he would be released. We'll talk about that next week. I want to think about something for a moment. I don't know if you've thought about this kind of thing before, but... I was reminded of, of all the, that Paul saw in this trial. All the good that he saw that the Lord was doing. You know, none of that would have happened if Paul hadn't been in prison. That's not to say that the Lord wouldn't be at work if he had chosen that Paul wouldn't have gone to prison. But this is what happened. And God turned what happened. He purposed what happened 
to Paul to be the very means by which he would spread the gospel, embolden these other believers, and, and have the gospel advance even through men who did not uh, care about the message but only cared about their own gain. God used that for good. Have you thought of your troubles that way? Do you think of whatever troubles you face this morning in that manner? I was thinking about a man named John Bunyan. He was a Puritan. He was put in jail for preaching the gospel. At the time, you had to be a part of, I believe it was the Church of England or else you couldn't preach. And he wrote Pilgrim's Progress in Prison. The world's best-selling book besides the Bible. Now, I'm not a, hey, Pilgrim's Progress is the best thing next to the Bible. I, it's, a, it's an interesting book. I, I appreciate it. But you know, it wouldn't have been written. It would have encouraged so many Christians over the past 300 years or so if he hadn't been in jail. God was in that trouble too. He wasn't absent. And the gospel advanced through that. There's also a recent story in, in the Voice of the Martyrs magazine. It's on the back table that I, I was reading a little while ago. And talks about a man who went to see his brother in prison. His brother was going to be executed for murder. He wasn't a good man. But he went to see him because the rest of the family was... They were done with this man because he had dishonored them. And so, but he went to see his brother. And he could not figure out what was going on with his brother. He was so happy. He was smiling. It was two days before his execution. And it turns out the brother shared that a preacher had been jailed in the same prison and he had shared the gospel with him and he had shared there was hope even for a hardened criminal who cursed God and that man was saved and now he shared the gospel with his brother who had come to visit him. Well, his brother was amazed at the change in, in this man's life and he too was saved. Because of that one preacher who was thrown in jail and he was faithful to proclaim the gospel. Not only did the guy in prison become a Christian, but his brother also and his brother continues today to share the gospel of his own testimony and the testimony of his brother. Thanks to this pastor. God was in that trouble, too. And the gospel was advancing. You know the story of Joseph. When it comes to troubles and trials and tribulations, he's often referred to, and for good reason. You know, he experienced a lot of hardship at the hands of his brothers, at the hands of Potiphar's wife. He was forgotten by the butler in prison. You can imagine the day after the, the butler got free, he would have been pretty 
excited. I would have been hoping, man, he's going to put in a good word with the Pharaoh. A couple years later, he forgot. He didn't listen. He didn't remember. Faced a lot of hard things. And we know the end of the story that God used it for good and, and Joseph realized that. He said that to his brothers. You meant it to harm me, but God meant it for good. Do you think that was any easier than what you're going through? It took a while for Joseph to see the whole picture. He didn't have all the answers right away. But he didn't lose hope because he knew God was in his trouble and he, he had the promise of God on which he put his trust. You know, the puzzle pieces of life weren't all sorted out at the beginning of Paul's imprisonment. But he knew enough to know that God was with him and that he was up to something. And after being in prison a while, in writing this letter, Paul has a few more pieces of the puzzle. And he's able to say, this has really turned out to advance the gospel. And in that, I rejoice. Let me sum up where we've been as we've looked at Paul's imprisonment. Paul was going through this time of trouble. He was in jail because of Christ, but God was in his trouble. Now, it may not have seemed good, though Paul didn't have the full picture. He didn't know if he was going to live or die. He rejoiced because it was through his imprisonment that many heard the gospel. He rejoiced because it was through his imprisonment that the believers were much bolder to share their faith, that God had given him an opportunity to suffer for the sake of Christ so that they might see his faithfulness and ultimately the Lord's faithfulness to him. And you know, Paul didn't know this. But it is through his imprisonment that we have not only Philippians, but also Colossians and Philemon and the book of 2 Timothy also. Paul didn't even know the, the far-reaching effects a book like Philippians would have, or maybe he did. But here we have a testimony of God in our troubles doing something good. I want you to consider your troubles for a moment. We like to forget them, put them aside, but consider them for a moment. Something that's on your heart and mind that you may be going through. First of all, I want you to consider, do you know Christ? He alone can help you in your time of trouble.
Paul was in chains. He endured other Christians taking advantage of his hardship for their own gain. Perhaps you've experienced others promoting themselves at your expense. Perhaps for you, it is uh, physical suffering or an ailment. Perhaps that you have suffered the loss of someone that you love. Perhaps you're faced with an uncertain future. You're struggling to know where to go in life or what to do. How will you rejoice in God's agenda? Even as your plans may be crumbling around you. How will you rejoice in the Lord always? Even in your trouble. Whatever trial you face, whatever trouble you're in, can you say that God is in and, and, and fill in the blank? That God is in that. That He's involved in your life, not just when times are good, but when times are hard. Can you say He's doing something good even when you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle? You trust the Word of God and, and know that He is at work for our good and His glory. And as you think about your trouble, think about how God might be at work in your troubles. What might the Lord be teaching you? Is He teaching you to be confident in Him? Might He use it to advance the gospel in someone's life as you share the hope that you have even in your struggles? How might the Lord be at work in your troubles? Now I want to leave you with one final thought. And that is this. If our greatest joy is in comfort on a comfortable life or a secure life or a pleasurable life or a life that you can control or a life where you have a good reputation. If our greatest joy is in anything other than the glory of Jesus Christ, then we will not like trouble. We will not rejoice in suffering, for we will not see the good that He is doing in our midst. It is impossible to see when our eyes are turned towards the desires of our flesh. We will think, how can this be good? For we will not have what we want or, or what is be, it's being taken away from us in our time of trouble. But when God's glory and the advancement of his good news of grace, which is for all who believe, even in our time of trouble. 
when Christ proclaimed is our greatest joy, then we will be able to respond to troubles with rejoicing because our eyes will be open to see the ways in which Christ is honored in our lives and in our troubles and, yes, in our joyous, good times as well. I can't convince you that Christ is worth it. I can't convince you that God is involved, that he is working in your troubles, that he's actually doing something good in your pain. But I can tell you that Paul found it so. This was his testimony in the word of God that he rejoiced that Christ was proclaimed even in his troubles, even in his imprisonment. I can tell you that, and I can tell you that I have found it so with Christ as my Lord and Savior. My troubles seem so small when placed beside the troubles that Christ faced. He endured the cross. Despising its shame, the writer of Hebrews says, and he faced it with joy for our sake. Please know that he is worth it. That he is in your trouble and he is doing something good. 